I feel like this has been a theme basically the entire year. It's buy now, pay later. We saw NFTs really explode onto the market. Crypto and regulation. The continued amount of money pouring into the space. It seems unlikely that it can maintain this momentum forever, but it doesn't seem to be slowing down. Hi everyone, it's Julie Verhage Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from FinTech Today, where we talk about all things FinTech. In this episode, I am joined by my husband and head of ad sales and partnerships for FinTech Today, Jordan Greenberg. And we're gonna talk about four of the like themes, I guess you could say, rather than events that have been, you know, the biggest ones we've seen in the past quarter. So Q3 of 2021, because Guys, we're already in Q4 of 2021. That's insane. It's really hard to believe. I saw this <laughs> this meme the other day that pointed out that there are under 90 days left mm -hmm. in 2021. And meanwhile, I'm still trying to figure out what happened in 2020. But here we are nonetheless. Same. Well, okay. So I, I will go first. And it's a theme that you guys could probably guess. And I feel like this has been a theme basically the entire year. It's buy now, pay later. So in the past quarter, we've had... Uh, Square by Afterpay. We've had my shares of a firm. All five of them are doing very well. They've announced partnerships with Target. Uh, they have some deals with Apple in Canada. Uh, it's just been, I, I don't know where shares of a firm started the quarter. It was somewhere around like 70-ish. They're around $140 a share now. They have doubled in the past quarter. It's crazy. Like I'm sure Klarna on the private market, other private companies, because it's not just these big guys even. You have small ones like Sezzle was involved in that Target deal as well. And this is all right before the holidays. So you'd assume that it's probably going to be pretty good for their business. Yeah, I think so. I mean... As someone who has typically used a credit card to make purchases, uh, I've been a big fan of the Buy Now Pay Later services recently, uh, having made a few big purchases for my bike, which I like to use a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been nice to be able to pay those off in installments rather than just get dinged for that huge amount, which is ridiculous up front. Um, so I'm a huge fan of the service. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see over time, like, how they expand, um, if their business model changes at all, and what industries continue to embrace them. Yeah, and I mean, I think in particular for a firm, I mean, as a shareholder with the pandemic at least easing a bit, like people are going back to gyms and stuff, I was a little bit worried about a firm given that Peloton, uh, when a firm went public, was what, like a third of their sales, which, you know, wasn't surprising given that it's a, a big purchase, you know, two to $4,000, depending on if you're getting the bike or tread. But then now that the gyms are reopening, I am certain that Peloton's sales are slowing down a little bit. Uh, so given that a firm's been able to lock in these other partnerships, I think has been really good for them. And obviously shareholders are, are buying into that. Yeah, I think it's good for that buy now, pay later industry as a whole. <laughs> it's a good sign that, uh, you know, they're able to find big retail businesses that are willing to give them a shot. Uh, and it seems more likely that each of them will move to like an in-store point of sale service as well. So if anything, it just seems as though these services are getting bigger and bigger. More people are willing to embrace them. It's getting a lot of consumers fired up about making purchases that they might typically like put on the back burner or save up for. Uh, and as a result, I think it's going to be interesting to, again, just see like where this space goes like it doesn't seem as though it's going to just stop with pelotons 
and Target, it, it seems as though this is just going to continue to expand and the offerings are just going to continue to grow as we move into 2022 and then even onward from there. What first topic would you like to discuss of the two that you have picked? Sure. Uh, this one's super interesting for me. Um, just because at the beginning of the year, um, we saw NFTs like really explode onto the market. And then kind of as we hit Q2, they were getting a little bit less noise. It seemed as though like the trend was dying out. Crypto was kind of going through like a moment where we didn't know what was going to happen. And then in Q3, it just seems as though they've exploded again with the apes and the penguins um, just hitting the market. And it's been really interesting to watch, um, not only because of the money that these projects are taking in, but I think the one thing that's been really cool, and Charlie Ma pointed this out, is that the, there's a lot of community um, associated with NFTs now, which I didn't really understand at first, but I find that really cool. Um, and so it seems as though if you actually have the capital to buy in up front to some of these projects, you actually end up like joining a pretty cool community of creators, investors, et cetera, um, you know, who can in addition to, I guess, helping you network, increase the value of your digital property as well. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what continues to happen with NFTs, where they go, um, and what they do for gas fees. Um, <laughs> one of the problems that I do have with that space is that it just makes it impossible to get on the network without paying exorbitant fees. Um, I tried to buy my Ether um, domain name recently, and it cost me like $5 for two years to register my domain, and then $120 to actually get on the network and pay the gas fees. And, you know, that doesn't seem right to me. Um, and so I'm hopeful that something happens. I know that Solana is trying to solve that a lot. Um, but yeah, I hope that over time those come down so that more and more people can get involved in transactions on the chain. Because uh, it does seem like kind of counterintuitive to have this decentralized platform that actually like decentivizes people from using it because it's so expensive. Yeah, and it there hasn't really been a decrease in gas fees so far, right? Because I remember when you first tried to make an NFT, I don't even remember exactly when that was. I think it was before Q3. I think it was more like Q1 um, that that was something that was kind of holding you back from wanting to do it for a little bit. And now, I mean, it doesn't really seem like there's been any pullback. Well, I think that also had to do with like the price of Ether at the time. Right. Like when I was making my NFT, uh, which was in like, February, uh, I think the price of Ether was around like 3200 and it's back up there. I mean, it, it did dip down for a while as we saw, but yeah, as the price of Ether goes up, so to do those gas fees, unfortunately. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. If there's a way to kind of, I guess, take away the correlation between the rise in the price and the rise in the gas fees. Yeah, well, you made, babe, you made this a very easy transition to my second topic of choice, which is crypto and regulation. 
the big, it's hard to pick like the biggest thing because there's been, I'll, I'll say the biggest thing internationally and then the biggest thing domestically here in the US. So the biggest thing internationally was this big Chinese crypto crackdown. Uh, so what was it like late sometime in September, I believe Beijing implemented this new blanket ban on all crypto trading and mining. Um, and that obviously has a huge impact on the volume in the crypto trading space, businesses that had ties with crypto companies, uh, you know, crypto wallets, crypto tokens, probably impacting NFTs quite a bit and whatnot as well. And then I would say in the US that it's been more of this theme of just watching to see what Congress will end up doing with the whole crypto space. Because there's been a lot of talk so far from SEC Chair Gary Gensler and others in different regulatory bodies about what they want to do for crypto. And then there's others that are like, oh, we need like a, a Federal Reserve stable coin to make that like the, you know, the CBDC. Uh, which again, that's a term I hadn't even heard about until Parker on our team told me about it like six months ago. And all of a sudden now you have massive banks around the world talking about how they can make their own digital currency. Um, and obviously the, the crypto community has a lot of thoughts on all of this, especially Brian Armstrong at Coinbase, who's the, the CEO. He likes to, if you want to see what many in crypto are thinking about what regulators are doing, just watch Brian's Twitter account because he's not afraid to say whatever is on his mind, whether it's going to make regulators mad or not. Yeah, those people don't seem to mind uh, saying anything. Uh, the crypto community on Twitter is pretty fun to follow. Uh, <laughs> they are outspoken individuals uh, about any everything uh, <laughs> that goes with regulation as well. Um, but yeah, I think... You know, that segue from costs, prohibitive costs um, to regulation is super interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what continues to happen there. I mean, there are some that seem to be crypto friendly and others that seem to not be as such. So it'll be interesting to see if we can like get some middle ground going um, and figure out what's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I mean, another regulatory thing that happened, speaking of Coinbase too, is that uh, the company had received a Wells notice from the SEC over its planned Lend program, um, which would have offered customers around a 4% APY by lending out USD coin to verified borrowers. And that project has since been sidelined. Who knows if it will come back in the future, but it doesn't sound... Like it's going to come back anytime soon. And Brian Armstrong said that it, regulators were very sketchy for doing so. So like we said, they're not afraid to, um, to make their, their opinions known. Um, last topic, which also kind of has to do with this space too. But Sure. I think the last topic, and this is a pretty common theme that we've seen since the pandemic hit, is just... The continued amount of money pouring into the space, um, you know, I think as someone involved in the space, it seems unlikely that it can, I guess, maintain this momentum forever, but it doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, and one area that's been really interesting for me to just keep an eye on and follow specifically has been India. Um, it just seems as though there's been tons and tons of funds pouring into the space, big names like SoftBank, Tiger getting involved, uh, Paytm considering uh, an IPO uh, on the near horizon, which is going to involve some sovereign wealth funds, some of the biggest investors in the world. 
uh, it seems as though everyone has taken note of these gigantic um, countries that have tons and tons of internet connected users um, who still largely rely on cash. Um, it seems as though India has moved into mobile payments, but now they're trying to get everyone connected. Um, and so to be in fintech and to watch some of these, um, I guess, you know, up and coming countries get involved in the space is super interesting to watch the amount of money that continues to pour into the space is even more interesting in a way, um, just cause that kind of dictates, I guess, some of the trends that we expect to see, you know, over the next couple quarters and what investors <laughs> expect to see do well over the next couple quarters. The other thing that I would note on India is that it's not just startups that are getting a ton of funding and making moves there. You've got Amazon and Google also making um, a bunch of headway over there. So like Google started offering fixed deposits in India during this quarter and Amazon announced that it's starting some wealth management services in the region. So um, like through Amazon Pay, they teamed up with an investment advisor out there and now they're going to start offering things like that. So I think you know, it's really good news for a community that has been very underserved. I mean, you know, the U.S. has had quite a bit of innovation in terms of fintech. And I think there's other areas of the world that have been neglected a little bit. And India is probably one of them that's now seeing, you know, a good shift in that direction. So I didn't, I didn't tell you about this part before we started recording, but let's make one prediction for the final quarter of the year, the final three months. Um, I will go first, just given that I am springing this on you versus me. Um, but I would say I think funding is going to still just go crazy despite having the holidays and everything. You know, usually there's a little bit of a slowdown there, but usually there's a slowdown in the summer too. And we never saw that. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to pinpoint a certain sector. I think just broad fintech is going to continue to see a lot of funding. Probably the the DeFi space is going to be one that people are super interested in. Um, yeah. So that's my pick. What about you? Uh, I have a prediction. Um, I might have a little bit more say on this than you do on your <laughs> prediction, but uh, I expect that I might have an avatar on Twitter by the end of the year uh, <laughs> or laser eyes. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess I have a little bit more control over mine than you do, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's not fair. That's not fair. Well, but you I'll spun this question on I me did. really quickly. So. That is actually. I mean, it's a theme. I guess your prediction could be that more people are going to have laser eyes or avatars on Twitter by the end of the year than what they do now. So it's not just you. You're predicting more people. Yeah, I think I'm predicting that uh, crypto is going to have a good strong run uh, towards the end of the year. I think that's another way of saying it. Exactly. Uh, well, tweet us if you guys have some predictions. So at fintech today underscore at Julie Verhage and then at JRDN Greenberg. So Jordan without all the nice vowels and then Greenberg. Uh, we will catch you guys again next time. Lots of exciting episodes coming up. So make sure to hit that subscribe button. Bye.